All right, welcome everybody to another edition of Beat Your Addiction with John Giordano. I'm your co-host, Scott Jones. I want to thank everybody for joining us and remind you wherever you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube to make sure you like the page, share it with your friends, and of course, hit the notification so you know the next time the show's come up. Uh, John tries to bring these out to you at least once a week, so uh, and it's always about addictions and helping people. So it's something that you definitely want to be a part of. And again, please sharing this with people is the best way for us to spread the word and help as many people as possible. So please help us do that. Uh, John, how are you, brother? I'm doing really good. Yeah. I'm, yep. I'm doing good. I'm alive and above ground, and I'm healthy today. Yeah, and you're you know you're you're doing your thing. You work in the field of addiction. You work personally with people. You had addiction in your family, uh, and I'm a recovering addict. And myself. you're a recovering addict. So I'm working at South Beach Detox, which is a real cool place because it's also a residential program and a behavioral health program. And what Scott and I were talking about is. We always talk about drugs and alcohol, but there are other components to addiction that most of the time, most people don't focus on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, people either aren't recognizing them or they haven't really come to the front yet because sometimes when you have your main addiction, I guess that's the word to use, the main addiction, uh, those other things really don't kind of come up. Well, you know what happens is people, they, I, I call them uh, hoppers. They hop from one thing to another. <laughs> right? So that's what we do. We hop from drugs to alcohol, and then we, we hop back over to sex addiction, gambling addiction, uh, eating uh, disorders. We go on and on and on, uh, shopping addiction. But most people say, well, what's wrong with sex addiction? <laughs> okay. Hey, nothing's wrong with sex. But, you know, when, you, when you're doing sex with somebody and you're not being protective, Okay, and you put your, your your life on the line, and then you are in a relationship, and you're cheating, and you do that too, and um, now you go back to the person you're with, whether you're male or female, uh, and giving them the disease that you caught with your extracurricular activity, just to medicate your emotions and your feelings, and that's what people do. That's why they do different addictions. Okay, they say, well, you know, some people go. Uh, like for instance, with alcohol, they go, well, I'm not going to drink hard liquor anymore. I'm just going to drink beer. <laughs> okay. Well, beer then becomes the middle guy. Cause you're always in the bathroom urinating, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then you go back to drinking again. So, I mean, you know, what, what we do is we'll always look in the race dopamine. That's the feel good drug that we manufacture naturally. And we use behaviors, not just substances. And that's what people don't get. Well, John, let me ask you a question, because I I think one of the points that we were talking about before the show started was, you know, people might go in and they're, they're treating their addiction and maybe they understand they've got some depression or anxiety issues. They understand they got a problem with, let's say, Xanax and alcohol. Fine. They go in and they deal with all that. Then they go home and all of a sudden they start shopping compulsively, gambling compulsively, relationships compulsive, not all at once, but maybe one of them comes up or something like that. Are the treatment centers really preparing people to 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 be ready for this, or has it kind of not been dealt with? You know what? You hit it right on the money. Okay. Treatment centers only deal with the shiny object. Mm. Okay. We're not looking at the co-contributing factors to addiction. We're not looking at other addictions that people have. Uh, they, they breeze over them. We don't talk about it. A lot of the women that come into treatment have eating disorders. 
A lot of them do coke and amphetamines because they, they want to lose weight or they want to look skinny, okay? Um, a lot of the guys that are on cocaine, it's sex addicts, okay? They start going into sex, you know, nothing wrong with sex, but when you're doing it in a way that's, that's causing yourself danger and you're doing it to medicate yourself and you're hurting your relationships if you're in a relationship, okay, not good, okay? See, when you, when you do addictions, behavioral addictions, what you're doing is you're not dealing with these emotions that's going on. You're medicating them. Same thing we do with the drugs, same thing we do with the alcohol. So how are you going to get stronger and able to deal with life on life's terms if you don't deal with life on life's terms and you'll always look and just to medicate it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so why is it? You know, I, I mean, I guess let's put it in very simple terms. Why would somebody leave treatment and immediately start spending money? What are they looking for? Well, spend money if they have money, you know. Or or, or <laughs> a compulsive disorder. Maybe eating. Maybe eating compulsively. Well, listen. What I, are they looking I for think when I had doing all, that? To be honest with you, I had all of them a step for gambling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it, it's pretty well. Most most opiate addicts, they gain tremendous amount of weight because then, then they get into food. They're looking for that rush, okay? Um, you know, we allow people to smoke uh, in the treatment center. They go downstairs and they smoke. Sure. And you look, you know, people say, well, if it's going to be holistic, you should. No, look, they're not going to quit smoking because you take the cigarettes away. You're not quitting them. You're putting them in jail and, and putting the cigarettes in jail with them. The best thing to do is we did it in our treatment center at G&G. &G. We would show them movies. We would show them uh, different things about what happens to their lungs. We would give them the opportunity to quit by using patches or using gum or using whatever. <laughs> I remember the lungs you had hanging on the wall. Right, they had yeah. lungs hanging on the wall, showing them, hey, man, this is your lung smoking cigarettes. Yeah. You know? So, look, we did a, a research project with Dr. Blum and Dr. Schoenthaler, and what we found out is people who smoke cigarettes are more apt to relapse than people who don't. People are more educated, are, are, uh, are less educated, are more apt to relapse that people who are educated. I mean, it's just very interesting when you start getting into the stats of what really what's going on. So, you know, here I am. I was the most unlikely person to succeed because I smoked cigarettes and I only went to the ninth grade. So, you know, they said, John, we don't know if you're going to make it. And I was always leaving treatment. I never unpacked my bags. I used to pull my shirts out of all wrinkled out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? And always winded up at the elevator uh, saying I'm leaving. And they always used to pull me aside and talk to me. Then I said, okay, I'll stay another day. <laughs> you know, and then I was counting how much money they were making. I didn't realize how much money they would cost them. I just worried about how much money they were making, <laughs> you know, when I was in treatment. And what's interesting, you know, I've been, in, I've been doing treatment for over 35 years. I'm in recovery coming up on 37 years. And in 2012, we sold my treatment center. Here I am, 10 years later, I'm back in the treatment business because there was a lot of people dying out there. And I just wanted to add some things that I learned over the years that can help addicts that most treatment centers aren't doing anymore or haven't done it to begin with. And what I find, which is really interesting, which I, you know, people come in with drugs into detox. And, the, and some of the therapists or mental health therapists that really don't know too much, some of them, 
to and some of them don't about addiction. <laughs> and they go, I don't understand why these people come in with drugs if they want to get clean. I said, first of all, <laughs> okay, they're afraid that they're going to be in pain. All right. So they got to hold out just in case. I said, that's normal. That's why we have to search them properly. Okay. And make sure that they don't have any drugs with them. Yeah. I mean, it, this is a normal thing for addicts to do. Well, but rarely of, do you get that person who's like 100% all in from the beginning. Rarely is that. Usually you get them around 50% and then you build on that, right? Sometimes. I mean, they're reserved. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. We got people that come into treatment. We have people, come, a couple come into treatment, all right, because they were homeless. So they figured they hang out in treatment for a while. I mean, the stuff that's going on today is, I don't even know how to say it anymore. It's like wild. You know, people got an insurance card and they think it's a ticket to ride, you know? Yeah, they're using it like a credit card. Yeah, they're using it just like a credit card. Yeah, and that's a shame. And that hurts That hurts the treatment business. It hurts the insurance companies. It creates a rift where they're all fighting with each other now. And part of that problem is how, especially these younger people, are viewing this insurance and that it's just free money. You know, uh, you it's know, not. People ask me, are they coming in sicker? You want to know the truth? They are. Drugs are becoming more powerful. Okay, <laughs> treatment centers. That people that a lot of people that got into the treatment business were real estate people or business people that knew nothing about recovery. Yeah. Okay. So it was all about heads in a bed and making money. And the only reason I I I got with these people in South Beach Detox is because they really care about the client. And unfortunately, um, it's becoming more and more rare that owners care about the clients instead of just about the money. And that's unfortunate. Now, there are treatment centers do care. I'm not saying there aren't, but there are a lot of them that don't. Yeah. So you better do your homework and due diligence on these places. Absolutely. We do a lot of work to make sure that we, uh, that we vet anybody that we work with or recommend and make sure that they are doing the right things. And the, there's a lot of good players. A lot of good players lost their position or ended up closing because they weren't willing to do the dirty stuff to stay alive. And that was a shame too, wasn't it, John? Well, yeah, you see, and, and another thing is, you know, the uh, insurance companies made a real big mistake. And well, they made many mistakes, but one of the mistakes they made is to cut addicts that were treating people out. All right? Sorry. A little background music, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, and in other words, uh, people that went to school, like I did, I had... Uh, 300 hours of schooling. And at the time when I got certified, I have 6,000 hours. You had to have 6,000 hours of supervised uh, training on the job. And then you become a, what is known as a certified addiction professional. Well, the insurance company decided that they you have to be licensed to treat people, which, you know, it's okay if you want to learn from reading from a book. But, you know, unless, and this is my own personal bias, I believe unless you really experience the experience of being an addict, um, you don't reach clients as easy. Doesn't mean they can't, okay? Some of them really are good, okay? They know how to be in rapport with people, but a lot of them don't. Yeah. And and that's sad because they cut out people that really know how to talk to addicts. And that was the big mistake because now you can't even find people that want to work. And then when you get people that want to work, they want it's almost like you got to pay them to sit around because they don't want to work. They just yeah. want to get a check, you know? And it's not about 
helping the people anymore. It's about getting that check. And it's sad. Okay. I'm not saying everybody. There's never all of anything. But a lot of them have um, wiggled their way into the treatment business. And uh, I hope they can continue wiggling away. Okay. Because <laughs> we don't need those kind of people. No. Uh, if you're going to work in treatment, uh, you're there to help God's kids. You're not there just to get a check. And if that's what you're there for, then please stay home or get another job, be a waiter or do something. Okay. Uh, be a waiter. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, do something. I mean, you no, know, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it takes something. Uh, you've got to be personally driven to do this kind of work. It's not just something you do because you want a job and make money. No, it's There's got to be a personal drive to it or else you cannot connect. I agree with you. Absolutely. I agree. Listen, uh, I don't want to get too far off case because, I mean, we, we certainly can spend all day really about the insurance. and the, But we were talking about the behavioral addictions. And here's a problem, John. I want to throw, throw a problem at you that I think a lot of people suffer from. They go into treatment. They do a good job. They do a good job, but the, the client themselves, they do well, they do all their work. Um, they come out, they're excited, they're going to their meetings and all this stuff. But then all of a sudden, you find that they're starting to have a problem with it, with sex or with shopping or with gambling or with eating. What should a client do at that time? I mean, it's not like go back to rehab time, is it? I mean, how well, do you deal okay. with that? And what does how how much of an impact does that make on the work they've already done? Well, see, that's a good question. And, and, and the best answer I can give, first of all, if you're not treated comprehensively, and what does that mean? And I always say holistic. Holistic means holism, comprehensive, okay? People have, I, I say this in every show, and I'm going to keep saying it until people get it. If you have a low thyroid, you're going to have depression and anxiety. If you have what is known as leaky gut syndrome or H. pylori infection that's in the gut, you're going to have depression and anxiety. If you have uh, hypoglycemia, you're going to have depression and anxiety. If you have a close-head injury, you're going to have depression and anxiety and behavioral problems. All right? And if you have heavy metals, your brain is not going to function properly. So if you don't take care of that stuff, okay, eventually that creeps into your life. And most addicts come out of treatment. It's like a whole, I don't know about anybody else, but to me it was like a whole new world. I couldn't be with my old friends because they were using. Right. I couldn't go to my old places that I went to because it would trigger me to want to use. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I only have one, as they call, white chip. I only went to treatment once, and that was it. And then I have 30 coming up in 37 years, which I never thought I would have 37 minutes. But the bottom line is what you need to do is you need to get in the middle of a program, a self-help program, okay, you need to get somebody you can relate to, to talk to that's been where you're going through already, okay? That's been there already that can help you and guide you, all right? You have to have a plan and follow that plan. You can't just leave treatment. Now, most of the time we give them an aftercare plan and they don't follow it. Right. Okay? So the problem is with, with addicts and alcoholics, they, don't, they lost their belief system. They don't believe that they can get well, okay? And that's a lie. If I can get well, anybody can get well, all right? I know a lot of people that were eating out of dumpsters when I worked in the in indigent program that got well. I mean, they had no place else to go but up or in the grave. So 
Anybody can get clean and sober, but you got to do the work. This is not something that you get by osmosis or sit there and go, oh, I'm clean. No, it don't work that way. You, have, <laughs> you know, you did a lot of work to get sick. Yeah. Now you got to do a lot of work to get well. And after a while, it's not work anymore. It becomes your life. And it becomes very enjoyable. John, there's a piece with these uh, aftercare programs you were talking about. And you're right. A lot of people don't follow them because usually they involve uh, some sort of 12-step or self-help organization, um, usually a psychiatrist or a, a psychologist uh, that you would go see, and uh, obviously a physical doctor as well. Uh, so these are usually parts of it. But you can do all of that, but there's still one thing that the person, the client has to do, which is be honest. They have to honestly open up at these places. You can't just sit there and lie and expect to, you know, so the best defense against these other behavioral addictions becoming a problem is honesty. Wouldn't you agree with that? Well, you know what the problem is? I, I think most people, I think we said it earlier in, in the program, some of them don't even realize they have a problem with these other behaviors. Exactly. You know, uh, it's, it's like their norm, you know, um, it's like, you know, oh, oh, so I'm eating too much and I'm gaining too much weight, uh, you know, but, you know, listen, I'm hungry and uh, I like food and, and then they get diabetes and then they have high blood pressure right, right. and they die from a stroke. Well, that's what happens when you go down that lane, just like doing drugs. If you keep doing drugs and alcohol, you're going to wind up jail into institutions or dead. That's your, your options. Now, if you want to do that, go for it. But the bottom line is there's a life out there worth living and it's your job to go get it and never give up. Yeah. I think you just said something really important. There's a life worth living, which I don't think people know. No. They don't realize that. So they think the only way I'm going to live life if I live on the edge. And if it can't be on the edge of alcohol or drugs, it's going to be on the edge of the relationship, edge of gambling, the edge of food. It's going to be compulsively doing something because that's the only way they get their jazz. What they don't realize is there's so many things out there. How much of life were you missing when you had your head buried in a table of Coke or something, right? <laughs> I had no head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, all I can tell you is, look, I, I wrote a book. It's my life story. Excellent. Yes. Okay. And it's to help people. All right. How a guy that only went to the ninth grade and you know, a guy who had a mafia type film. My father was a heroin dealer. I got molested when I was a kid. I only went to the ninth grade. Uh, you know, I was in gangs. I was selling dope. I was doing all kinds of shit. And here I am talking to all of you. Life changes. My life became unbelievable. Okay. You know, they say in a program, beyond your wildest dreams, and I used to say, these guys are assholes. Yeah. Okay, you might, my dream. No, beyond my wildest nightmare, you mean. You know? <laughs> That's what I used to look at. And I, all I can tell you out there, man, you know, get the book. It's called The Kid from the South Bronx Who Never Gave Up. And you see all the problems I had early in recovery and all the stuff I went through and where I winded up today. And um, I hope it gives people hope and show them that if they keep going, they can be successful. And to get that, it's right on your screen. It's been on your screen the whole time. JohnJGiordano.com. It's right there. Um, go there. You can get the book. You can go to Amazon and look up John Giordano or look up the book uh, there. But if you go to the website, it'll give you access and show you all that stuff. Right. Um, and plus your first book, which I think is uh, really just like one of those – 
it, it's so easy to read and follow, and it gives you so much insight so quickly, which is how to beat your addictions and live a quality life. So that's something you should look at too. John, you, 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 that was that really that gave some insight the, into a lot of different like behavioral well, addictions, doesn't I, it? Yes. The way I did that book was not just my experiences. I interviewed about 200 addicts and alcoholic people that are eating this sort of gamblers. And what I did was I get their take on what they did to stay in recovery. Not just stopping those behaviors and those right. addictions, but living a life of recovery. Quality okay, life, a yes. Quality life of recovery. And then I interviewed about 150 people that chronically relapsed. I wanted to know what they did and what they didn't do. And I put all that in the book, especially also my own experience. And I wrote it in big letters, as big as I can get <laughs> letters in the book, because I know we don't like to read. I know we get overwhelmed when we see tiny print. We go, oh, I can't read all this. Yeah. You know? So I wrote it real simple, okay? It's how to beat your addictions and live a quality life, not just existing like we do when we use. One of the things I thought was brilliant that you did, John, was you did it in like these segments where somebody could look up a topic and basically read about that. Right. So if it's about a family or if it's about a relationship or if it's about a job, it's all that kind of stuff is in there and you could read and it's not like pages of stereo instructions on how to live your right. life. It's very straightforward, and this is what this person sees and does. I, I think it's brilliantly done. And it, I made it real simple because I yeah. know how we are, okay? And our attention span is about this big, okay? <laughs> so I made it in little paragraphs, and you can go to any section in the book, whatever's bothering for that day, and find it in the book, and you'll see maybe a suggestion how you can deal with it so it's like a, a book is like a, a to me this book is like a sponsor okay it's giving you information on what you need to do to deal with the situations that you come across when you're in recovery and you touch on a lot of the behavioral addictions in there too it talks about yeah, I that think we do. Yeah, probably yeah, most of them. i think yeah. most of them yeah you know yeah there are people that get out of treatment and they can make money real quick they're really good at and making money, and that takes them down. Then there are other people uh, who eat themselves to death, and then there are other people that, well, you know, they're broke, so they figure if I gamble, I could just hit that that number, I'm going to be okay. They think the money's going to make them okay. It doesn't make you okay. Uh, there's so many things in the book that you can read about, and the sex addiction, and how what to do, and how what it does to you, and I mean, it just goes on and on and on because. We'll feel good junkies. You know, people ask me, what is the worst drug? I said, the one that screws you up the most. It's real simple. Yeah. You know, uh, they're all bad, but what's the worst one? All yeah. right. That's how you got to look at it. And it's, and it's a real, it, it's a real eye opener that, that you can't have recovery in one small part of your life and then still live obsessively in other parts. If you're going to be in recovery and truly embrace it, it's got to cover everything. And that's really what we're talking about here. It's, well, you know, you got, you got spirituality. Spir yeah, exactly. You know, spirituality to me, and not religion, spirituality. I'm a recovering Catholic, by the way. Okay. <laughs> and so, that was the hardest thing to get over. That was, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, spirituality is, is the foundation, I believe, for any kind of, uh, recovery for anything. And, and and the bottom line is what what is spirituality? Most people don't even, you know, have a different take. For me, um, it's learn to be kind instead of right. Okay. Help people less fortunate than yourself. You know, real simple stuff, you know. 
and don't do your best not to lie, cheat, or steal. And um, just keep going with your life and better your life. Because God gave you the God, whatever God is to anybody out there, gave us this body, this life, okay, as a gift. Okay, it's what you do with that gift is your gift back to God when you leave the planet. So what do you want to get, leave as a gift? Okay, yeah. I know the gift that I was going to leave was pretty shitty in plain English. Okay, I hopefully the gift I'm giving the God of my understanding today is a little better. Not perfect, but better. Absolutely. I, I think that was really well put. I've always said that religion is for people who want to go to heaven and the spirituality is for people who've already been through hell. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you find a way to connect. Uh, you have to stay connected, um, connected to people and everything. Uh, there's a real lost period um, when people get out of treatment and there's that scary period and that kind of lost puppy period. Even if you got everything in place and you're doing everything right, you're walking into new me new rooms and meeting new people and leaving old friends and stopping old habits. That adjustment period is so hard. What advice do you give to somebody who wants to do everything right, but it just feels so uncomfortable? Okay. I'm just going to tell you what I did. Okay. Everybody's different. I'm just going to tell you my experience and people that I know that are in recovery that are successful. Okay. Just keep going to the meetings. I hated them. I said to them, I wouldn't even get high with people like you. All right? Uh, I don't have to ask if you said that out loud. I know you did. I said it out yeah, loud. Yeah, of course you did. Uh, and uh, it was, to me, it was, what am I doing with these people? I, I, I want to use every time I go here. Okay? That was all my negative shit because, you know, I didn't want to do the work. But I kept going. And I kept going, and I kept going, and I kept going. They said, get a sponsor. So I got a friend of mine who was in the in the meetings. I made him my sponsor. I never called him. You know? <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Uh, God, I used to say, excuse my expression, F God in the meetings. I don't want to hear about I didn't come to this meeting to join a new religion. You know? I had enough with the other one. Uh, but I kept going. So... My best advice to somebody is don't leave until the miracle happens because it will happen, you know? If you can survive that uncomfortable period, John, and keep pushing forward, then it's less of a chance for these other behavioral addictions to take hold as well, right? If you just keep doing the right thing. If you start to look for outside things to make you feel better during this period, that's when these things really well, start to come out. those outside things need to be in your meetings, your sponsorship, yeah, doing yeah. service. Healthy outside things, You know, yeah. all the healthy things, okay? And look, no one that I know, including myself, does this perfect. When you meet somebody that does this perfect, let me know who they are because I want to pray to them, okay? Because God must have came down. We're, we're imperfect human beings doing our best, Okay. And that's just the way it is. So don't beat yourself up. If you want to, go ahead, but it hurts, okay? Um, and just do the best you can, you know? But just don't pick up and don't use these behaviors to medicate yourself because you'll never, ever overcome anything if you look to medicate it all the time. And if you find yourself going down this path where you think, you know, okay, boy, I'm starting to 
I'm laying on the sofa eating Doritos every day, or I'm uh, I'm really obsessed with playing even uh, video games sometimes where it takes you away from the world. Talk about that stuff. Go to a meeting. Go to your sponsor. Call your call the rehab that you went to um, and talk to whoever therapist you had that you connected with. Let them know what's going on and identify it. Once you identify it, you can do something about it. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times we don't want to do that because we have shame, guilt. You know, we brought up with shame and guilt all the time. Listen, man, there's no shame in your game if you're reaching out for help. Right. Okay. The shame is you don't reach out for help. So, you know, I, yeah. I realized that I couldn't fix me. I needed help. You know, that ego and that pride and that, you know, being a martial artist, I'm supposed to be this tough guy. Well, let me tell you something. You know what a real tough guy is? Not a guy that can kick somebody's ass. The real tough guy is the guy that faces its demons. That's the tough guy, the guy that fights back these demons and succeeds. That's a tough guy. Yeah. The other guy, anybody can do that. The only person you have to defeat is the bully that you see when you look in the mirror. That's the one you got to defeat. The, the, right. When you're telling yourself you're no good and that you can't do it, that's the one you got to you know, defeat. You know what's funny? I, I, I remember saying, well, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do or control me. And the one answer I got back was, John, what did the drugs do to you? Were you controlling them or were they controlling you? I shut my mouth. I got high when I didn't want to get high. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I would beat myself up for getting high. And then three days later, I'd do it again. <laughs> so who was in control of yeah. what? I was in control of shit. No. All right. All I was not. in control of was nothing. No. Time to take our lives back. Time to stop being a victim of our addictions and our compulsions and our behaviors and start start living a life that we all deserve, right? I mean, there's so much out Listen, there. Let me tell you something. You know, I, I was homeless when I first got clean. I got divorced and I was homeless. I lived in a, a hotel room that a friend of mine loaned me because he owned the hotel. And, uh, I thought my life was over. My kids used to come. They used to cry. I had a bicycle that somebody loaned me. I had a jaw that I used to put quarters in. I tell the story all the time. But, you know, after a while, I decided to say, you know what? I'm tired of feeling sorry for myself, you know? And I let go of that. And I started to enjoy where I was, where my feet were, okay, instead of where they weren't. Mm -hmm. And things changed. Yeah. That's all I can tell you. Read the book. You can travel anywhere you want to go as long as you know where you're starting from. If you don't know where you are, you can't get anywhere. That's right. So, uh, folks, we've come to the end of the show. I appreciate everybody sticking with us and remind you one more time to go to johnjgiordano.com. It's right there on the screen with the uh, letter J in the middle. Uh, make sure that you check that out. Uh, find out all the different works and, and uh, experiences John has had. And, of course, you know, check out his books. Uh both of them, and and they're they're great readings. Uh, so check those out. Also, share this with your friends, and and, and uh, like us on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, share it, and certainly hit the notifications. Uh, the best way for this to spread is for you guys to say that you heard something that was important to you, and you want to share it with somebody else. And uh, whenever we could share good stuff with other people, John, that's that's a service we do. And listen, all I know is this: you know, I'm helping people the best I can. That that people helped me when I didn't even know these people, you know, and I thought there was something wrong with them. Why would they want to help me? They don't know me. It's because they were afraid of you. 
Right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that too. No, but I figured maybe they wanted me to beat somebody yeah, yeah. up or do some collection work or give yeah. them drugs or I don't know what they wanted. He doesn't but, do that anymore. I asked him. He won't do it. No. <laughs> you know, all, all they wanted to do was help me because yeah. somebody helped them. And that's what I'm doing. That's it. And that's that's what uh, elevates us. And hopefully it elevates someone else out there, you know, um, and uh, get involved, help people. That's yeah. the best we can tell and you. This is not about money. It's about people. So, John, uh, great show. Uh, good to see you again, my friend. Uh, thank you very much, Scott. You're the best. And I want to thank everybody out there once again for joining us. Remember, uh, do something kind for somebody else. Check out johngiordano.com, and uh, you all have a good day. Adios.